Hello, welcome to Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio. I'm your host, Lynn Wyminga, and this week we continue our art tour with metal sculptor Paul Kyler. Please excuse the extra sounds of Clara the puppy, rural traffic, wind, and birds as we sat outside Paul's Amherst Island workshop on a beautiful day in March. Be sure to check out cjai.ca slash studio stories to see a few of Paul's sculptures and get information on his location and upcoming shows. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We're on Amherst Island Radio and this is Studio Stories. I'm your host, Lynn Waiminga, and today we are sitting outside in the sunshine, in the spring sunshine, at Paul Kyler's just outside of his workshop. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing great with the sun like this. How could you not be? Yeah, exactly. We're watching the puppy, Clara, tangle herself up. Completely. <laughs> no amateur level there. That's right. We're sitting outside Paul's workshop. For anyone who doesn't know Paul, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? I work with metal. That's probably the easiest way to say it because I just never know what kind of metal thing I'm doing. Generally, I do artistic iron work, but I also end up doing some farm repairs living on an island. Of course. Yep. Of course. Uh, that's part of the whole blacksmith thing, though. You're keep, supposed to keep the farmers going. That's right. You know, and when I first came and visited here, you were actually living at the old blacksmith. On the corner house. On the yep. corner. Yes. Which was fitting. When we first moved from Durham. Yep. Then this, this property became available uh, and it had the perfect workshop for me. So It does. We were able to make the move and get set up. That's perfect. So Paul has just taken me around um, on a little bit of a tour inside the shop and outside. He's got some new work done and you're getting ready for uh, spring shows. Yes. Well, before we get into that, let's, let's talk about, tell us about how you started. How'd you become a blacksmith? Oh, so my father is a master rigger which involves splicing wire rope by hand. He braids cable by hand. Wow. Like two inch diameter cable, half inch diameter cable right. for cranes and what have you. One of the processes involved melting zinc and pouring it into a special fixture. So at age 12, he taught me and showed me how to run a coal forge because right. he needed an assistant to melt the zinc. Sounds familiar. Uh-huh, running the forge, I had stumbled across, we were at a pioneer village and I saw a blacksmith working. And I'm like, Dad, we have the same thing. He goes, yeah. He says, did I ever tell you I worked for a blacksmith as a kid? And I'm like, no, no, you didn't. So uh, he started showing me stuff and I became in, just enthralled with knives, of course, being a young boy right. and what have you. So I actually started hammering Japanese style steel when I was like 18. And then I went off to school for art. Yeah. To become a sign painter, a graphic sign painter. Okay. And uh, always kept dabbling, making making stuff with metal and still doing art. Right. And, oh my goodness, I, I guess I was more of a technical blacksmith for all those years, or doing technical blacksmith work. Mm -hmm. And my wife uh, saw something in a magazine and said, can you make this? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. So I whipped one up. It, she lost her mind, of course. Her mother lost her mind, so I made one for her mother. And then somebody saw me carrying one and asked if they could buy one. So I thought, well, this is getting kind of interesting. And from there, it just didn't stop. So right. I ended up making like 45 of them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And what was it? It was a trellis made out of flat iron, 
but it had like a Roman feel to it. It had crosses in it, and uh, it was very, uh, just very gothically heavy, you know? Like it right. just, it just didn't look like you could buy it at Canadian Tire for sure. Right. So I made a slew of them because of course the local scrapyard that I was naturally great friends with the guy had a rack of this metal and it was all pitted and rusted and it had all that and I'm going to use the term patina. Right. Right. So then uh, I and cleaned character. them right out of it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't even buy it. I don't even know what it was from because I've never even seen the same dimensions before. Oh. Like it wasn't, it looked like it was 3 16 by half inch wide flat iron, but it really wasn't. So right. I, I don't know what it was. So anyways, we used it all up and then she's like, well, what if you made this because I really like this so then I made one she's still doing that I see she never stops <laughs> she never stops so yeah that was before Ben was even born and I really liked the aspect of taking the artistic end of it and working it into the ironwork especially when I started looking at what was available with other artisans that were out there now while not everybody makes terrible stuff <laughs> there's a lot of really good artisans out there but unfortunately, I was seeing a lot, certainly in my area, mm -hmm. a lot of not very well thought out stuff, very clunky and heavy and just right. not designed very well, competently put together. So I really started making that my sort of guideline is that I wanted a flow to things and I wanted to keep it very refined as mm -hmm. opposed to seeing these large clunky things. So I've been on a mission since then. <laughs> and you're succeeding. Paul showed me this, uh, so I guess it's a prototype bird that I just looked at it. Very simple design, but so elegant. Like a simple line drawing of a bird, but made out of metal. And so. I've been chasing a line for quite a while yeah. now. I have a few sculptures. That's really what they're based upon is trying to define the shape with yeah. as a minimal amount of uh, mass as you could say yeah. you know I mean yeah. it's easy enough to take and spend I and you see it if you google things and look at google image and what have you you'll see people that have spent you know untold hours making a bear with every strand of hair on the on the for right. the fur of the bear and it's like that's really cool I don't want to spend that much time making a bear yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so I don't know I, I think maybe I grew up in the era where you saw John Lennon's drawings Yes. And, you know, things like that. Yeah. Picasso drawings. And it's like, you can convey the message without having to spend, you know, forever. Absolutely. Simplicity is... Uh, yeah. And I, I, th I like that with the iron. interesting sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think it's really neat because I don't see a lot of it in the iron art art world. They're, they're all, you know... If they are doing a single line or a, you know a simple basic thing, it's abstract. Oh, what is your problem? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at the children. Dogs. Yeah, you look at the art world, and, and most of the ironwork I see that's like that is abstract. They're not trying to form a shape in a simplistic way. Right. They're actually you know just taking an abstract shape, and you're supposed to determine what it is. And I kind of would rather capture movements and capture you know. The actual form mm -hmm. if I can yeah. it's tricky sometimes definitely so did you always is all of your work I don't know most of your work is recycled there's a good portion nowadays when I first started doing a lot of iron work it was taking a lot of fresh new material right and just conjuring up what I was making from it more I'm more so now doing sculpture work I, I hadn't done so much sculpture work um, until the last probably four years 
pre to that, like the garden benches I have at the museum there, that was more or less uh, the mainstay of the stuff, more traditional right. wrought iron work. And uh, I've always wanted to kind of reach out to the artistic end of things and keep rolling. Yeah, I, th actually I was going to ask you that, was, is, uh, you know, was there a time where you were just, were just doing sort of practical? Certainly works? so when I first started out because practical sells easy too. Yeah. Right. So as you get more comfortable as an artist, you can kind of go, you know what? I just want to make this and I don't care if it sells. Yeah, I want to make this cause yeah. well, I because because it's in my head and I have to get it out of my head. And I don't know if that afflicts you, but Absolutely. if I get an idea in my head, I can shelve it. And then it'll, it'll wake me up at three in the morning and say, hey, why haven't you built me yet? Only for so long. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it's like, okay, I know I'm supposed to get this done, but I really got to do this just so I can even concentrate on the stuff I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And that's what happens, you yeah. know. And uh, it's kind of fun in that respect. You never know what to expect. That's funny. <laughs> I get the same thing. Yeah, okay, good. Totally. Good. Totally. Yeah. Well, my wife is not an artist. She's, she's a curator. Got a, she's a, got a great eye. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes she's like, why don't you just build that? And it's like, because it's just not there. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. She's been after me. And I, once I say this, half the island will be like, yeah, she's been after me to make a sheep. <laughs> yes. And I'm just, I'm struggling with how I can make it mine and yeah. make it, make it the way I want it. And I just, it has it. And this has been over a year. I'm having like creator's block on sheep. I don't know why, right. you know. I made a stingray in 20 minutes. Yeah. It's too much <laughs> pressure for a sheep. I know. I <laughs> Where know. Where we live. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, once it happens, you'll see a flock. Right. <laughs> There'll be a flock. Yeah. There might be some babies. There might be some mamas. Yeah. 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 So once we get there, we'll get there. And I have the potential materials, but I'm still not looking at them in the way. And that it's the age old thing. Like a sculptor looks at a lump of rock and comes out with something. I look at a lump, a lump of somebody's metal that they throw on away going, hey, wait a minute, that looks like a face. Right. And run with it. Yeah. So that's I, a, a big thing. I was going to ask about custom work, but, but you bring up another, like, I asked a quilter um, who, who does really creative projects and said, you know, or we were talking about custom work, and she said, I don't really do much because, especially with new customers, and especially if they've got a lot of direction. Right, exactly. Then it's not coming from me necessarily. I well, so. and I found the big thing for me is is um, because I work a full-time job. Yeah. And I have so many interests. Taking orders from me does not work. Yeah. You know, so I just build what I want to build and hopefully people like it. Yeah. And that's kind of, I stopped taking orders probably three, four years ago simply because it just... It was too hard to fill an order in a decent amount of time yes. with life, renovations, you know, the, the usual thing. So yeah. what I do is I build stuff, I think, in my style that I like, and hopefully other people do, and it seems to work out well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it is an age-old thing, I think. I read something about, uh, you know, Da Vinci. You know, there's lots of projects that he, he just didn't simply finish. Right. He got sidetracked with something else yeah. and he just didn't want to do it and what have you and not that I'm comparing myself to him but uh, I've read about it about a few other artists over the period of history and so you kind of don't feel so bad about the fact of yeah I you know Mrs. Smith I I, I appreciate you want that yeah I'm not feeling it 
Yeah, and, that's it's it's interesting. If your heart's not in it, you're you're not gonna. Well, be yeah, whole and I think I think it, somebody right? who doesn't make things per se or or uh, don't create things from scratch have a harder time understanding. Well, you just made that, so why can't you make that? It's kind of a black art. It just doesn't. You know, it's not like a vending machine. Right. I now need one of these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, ergo, the sheep is still sitting. It's, it's percolating. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, it's swirling around back there. Yeah. It'll, it'll come out. Someday. Yeah. yeah. Someday. You'll know. You'll see a herd. When the time happens, there will be a herd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to that. There's, well, I have a thing for sheep. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I think half the island does, actually. And, you know, they are cute little beggars. There's several projects I have that are sitting there kind of stewing. There's a glass, clear glass head coming that's going to be Medusa with copper snakes, all copper, with a clear glass head. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've refined the process, and I've actually, I can form the snake's head from the tubing. So it's all from one piece. There's there's no soldering or anything to put it together. Wow, amazing. So it's a technical one, and it's going to have a high visual impact when it's done. And I'm yeah. looking forward to getting to it. <laughs> right, right. You're in production mode right yeah, now. Absolutely, right? yes. Yeah. yeah. And, okay, so tell us about all of the crazy materials. Like some of the more interesting bits and pieces that you make from. Yeah, there's just, uh, it's amazing sometimes when you're you're taking some basic stuff you see every day and you're working away and I always I have it as an example right now we called him Herve because he looks Latin and what it was was I was rummaging in my pile of metal parts and pieces for something and there was the face of a water pump the the actual snout part that your hose is hooked yeah. to and it was sitting a certain way and I looked at it and I'm like that's a face Right. So I dropped what I was doing. I was in the middle of something. I totally <laughs> dropped it. And in no time flat, I had a finished face. Right. But I'm looking at it going, it, it, he needs a hat, right? Mm -hmm. So I end up going down to George Gavilis because I knew he had a stack of brake rotors. So I got one of those little boaters hat, oh, yeah, ba i.e. brake rotor, yeah. uh, from George and finished it off that way. And I was like, I am now happy with this. It is done. Right. I can and go back to what I was go doing. Go back to what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, so in a million years, if you said, you know, if you Googled water pump snout made into a face, you're never going to see it, right? Right. So that's just one of the crazy things I found that just, and I, why I saved a water pump snout, beyond me. I find a lot of the cast pieces have such interesting shape, and the older the cast piece, the more interesting of the shape. So I'm always on the prowl for that. Yeah. So Alan Glenn, when he and Kathy were getting ready to move, um, Alan said, I have a bunch of stuff, including an anvil, of course. I, I'm an addict. I have 11, an have I have 11 anvils. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always looking for more. So <laughs> he said, I have an anvil. So I was there. Right. And then I'm like, oh, you got a neat pile of stuff over here. He says, yeah, you interested in some stuff? So I made a pile and I bought the pile. He says, well, I've got a pile of junk, because, of course, farmers for right. three generations, any metal, they just put yeah. in a pile behind the barn. Mm -hmm. So Ben and I are rooting through this massive pile and pulling out, oh, that's an inter... I don't even know what that is. Keith, Keith Miller is my shape. resource for the farm stuff that I go, it's interesting, but I don't know what it is. Right. And he can tell me what it come off of, of course. 
Nice. So, yeah. It's but good it, to have a resource oh, like that, right? Absolutely. Well, even to be able to, when I put something together, go, oh, that's a such and such off of such and such. Right. right. People are interested to know. So, yeah, there's farm, horse-drawn farm equipment pieces that I take and rework. And there's just stuff from boilers, stuff from, well, there is stuff I don't even know what it's from. <laughs> <laughs> someone, yep. someone, will, someone will pinpoint it exactly so yeah a lot of the pieces just stem from the shape that I look at the raw shape and go to me that has kind of mm. if you look on Saskia's front yard Saskia's father had passed away and uh, there was a, some odds and ends of tools and stuff like that and she's always looking out for me she says I have some of my dad's tools. If you want some of them to make stuff, uh, you can have them. So she handed me a handful of tools. And in there was one of those old, uh, I guess you could call it grass whacker. You know, okay. the serrated edge, yay long, you know, a foot oh, long yeah, or so. Oh yeah, like a straight and you, yeah, whack, yeah, you went back and forth with it. Yeah, before they made weed it. whackers, right? Yeah. But this one was a little bit longer and a little bit beefier and I looked at it and the teeth were different. And I went, if I ever saw a blade for a swordfish, that was it. So I took tubing and reworked it, and I made a swordfish. Well, it's out in her front yard. I actually gave it to her because she gave me all the stuff from right. my dad. I'm like, here. Thank you. Thank you for the other pieces. Yeah. This is this is your dad. When I showed her, she's like, wow. So she was pretty happy. But yeah, so something like that. I just looked at it and went, that's a swordfish that's a... blade. Yeah. So that's, that's what happens. That's cool. That's to yeah. just go, I see that right in that piece of metal. Yeah. Let's do I, I, it. Or that's the part needed to define that. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what I find. I think that's the key is that I'm finding the part to define the item. You know, yeah. until I find that defining part, right? It's sort of just a bunch of extras. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that bird that um, I was talking about before, that the head shape, which you say you hammered, it's all hammered. That's all done by hammer. Yeah. So, uh, and the head shape is just it totally defines the bird. It's just it's just the perfect shape. But I drew it out in chalk probably 30 times yeah. and I tweaked it and I, I no this is too long this is too short this isn't bent enough this yeah. doesn't this isn't moving soon enough right. you know that's too long and it's just I do everything with chalk I either draw it on the floor or my chalkboard I have a four by five foot chalkboard so yeah. Yeah. Okay, that totally reminds me of the other night I was watching Money for Nothing yes. on on Netflix and the same thing, the blacksmith yeah. just using the chalk. But um, interesting show. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of fun watching people. Although the difference with that show is the woman who's going out and finding the things is kind of defining what it's going to be, She's right? got the concept. She just needs the hands. Yeah. And you see that a lot. Uh, if you ever have a chance uh, for ironwork, uh, Ono Gallery at Huff Estates Winery. Okay, yeah. Right there in... Um, County. Is it Picton or Blue? I think it's Bloomfield. It's Bloomfield. Yeah. Yep. They have a massive outside um, display of ironwork from various artists. What I noticed is is that generally they're people that come up with the concept and the drawing, and then they have a fab shop make it for them. Oh, interesting. Which I mean, sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I I uh, I can appreciate that. Yeah. That's not me. You know. Yeah. So let's go back to uh, you're working hard right now for spring shows, and yes. you mentioned so you had said that your your father kind of got you into this, and, uh, and yeah, he he started the ball rolling without right. a doubt. 
And now your son. Tell us about Ben. Well, <laughs> I've learned a lot about parenthood. <laughs> Not the easy way sometimes. So at five years old, I actually had Ben fully geared up in all the leather safety equipment and everything, and he was hammering hot steel and arc welding things together. And then by the time he was eight, he wanted nothing to do with it. And then he approached me about four months ago mm -hmm. saying, I don't want to work for other people this summer, Dad. Of course, he turned 16 in August. And he said, I want to make my own money. He says, I want to do iron. And I looked at him, I said, well, it's been a while since you've actually stayed in here longer than 10 minutes. He says, yeah, but you'll show me. Yes, yes, son, I will show you. So we got going and back in the swing of things. Mm -hmm. And he's been watching a lot more than I thought. Right. So he, he hasn't taken long. So he's picked up the hammers and he started hammering and shaping. And of course, I have to laugh and delight because he looked at me and he says, this is really hot work. And I'm like, who would ever thought blacksmithing was hot, dirty work? <laughs> they should have called it whitesmithing. Yeah. He's like, Dad, you don't have to be that way. I'm like, well, bud. I said, this is just part of the process. I said, you have to have the artistic understanding when you're making this stuff. So he's jumping in both feet. That's great. It's great to see. And he has a different perspective. Uh, so that's really neat to see, too. Because, of course, I have my standard way I think and put things together or formulate. And he's got a just a different view. So, yeah, we're making things together uh -huh. that I've never made before. And uh, buried in there is uh, a Venus flytrap. He was obsessed with making one. Really? So, yeah, it's in the shop. I haven't shown you that yet okay. either. And it's made from part of a fan body from a standing fan that you would have in your living room. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's like, okay, Ben, I'm not sure the saleability of a Venus flytrap, but you know what? We'll Let's make one, it. bud. Yeah. So it's built, and uh, yeah, so we're working together to build stuff. Uh, I signed us up for a craft sale April 28th in uh, Picton, so we can kind of debut Ben's creativity, and I can help him along, and we'll just see how it flies. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor and be back in a minute. Studio Stories is brought to you by Lens Lids, handmade hats and fiber art, as well as fun and functional merino wool hats. Lens Lids makes tea and coffee cozies and adorable needle felted ornaments. Find us online at lenslids.com, that's L-Y-N-N-S-L-I-D-S, on social media at, at lenslids, and the studio on Amherst Island is open by appointment. Drop an email to lenslids at gmail.com or call or text 343-989-1550. Now back to our program. If you're just joining us, this is Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio, CJAI 92.1 FM. I'm your host, Lynn Wyminga, and for this episode, I'm talking with metal sculptor Paul Kyler outside of his workshop on Amherst Island. So, what would you say is the most challenging part of your work as a Ooh. blacksmith artist? The, the curation of, uh, of materials. <laughs> right? <laughs> Finding stuff that's just different, interesting, and that has the potential. Saskia was gone to uh, her stepmom's place, mm -hmm. and there's a wonderful little place called Barn O Full o, Barn Full O Goodies in right. Morrisburg. Okay. And she scrounges everywhere and puts stuff. She has an online auction. 
So every once in a while I look because, of course, it's an addiction too. Yes. And she had saw it's an old processor or something for food. But I looked at it, and from the photo, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a bug. Right. <laughs> so then Saskia would come home with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to pay Saskia for it, and yeah. it's going to go on the shelf. And then when I get, you know, a few get more components, it. it'll be a bug. It will no yeah. longer be good for a kitchen. That's funny. For knitters, we have a stash of yarn. For you, you it, have buildings and buildings of full steel. of yeah. steel. <laughs> yeah. Various and sundry shapes, and people look at it and go, that's garbage. <laughs> Maybe, maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just, that's the challenging part is, is I have a concept and I have a idea. Oh, I'd like to build one of these, but then I'm looking in my pile and it should be, it should be there. There should be enough stuff there. I can, yeah. no, no. And then I'll be like, we're supposed to be going to dinner somewhere and I'll be online. Oh, oh, I got to have this. I need this. So my wife stopped even questioning when I go online and I find something. She yeah. doesn't even, she'll just say, how much is it? And I'll be like, oh, they want like 25 bucks for that. She's like, well, buy it. I'm like, no, that's just too much. I saw one 10 years ago for five bucks. She's like, yeah, just buy it. Just so, get it over with. So that's the challenging part is finding good enough material for what shapes I wanted to find, where I want right. to go. Right. You know, it was a lot easier just buying raw new metal and, Right. Bench shape, hammer cut, and weld, and voila, you have your bench. Right. Where this is like, okay, you can look at it and go, yeah, it kind of looks like that. Or people look at it and go, that's totally a butterfly. Right. Or totally a whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's the challenge. Okay. Do you, would you like to talk about the cars at all? That's up to you. That's up to you. That's a revolving thing that will never go away. Right. So, okay. So, yeah. Paul's got this old. 1930 Austin 7. Austin 7. Yes. So Sitting it's from Britain. It's a right-hand yeah. drive. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, a that John came Frontines. to you? Yes. As? A, a wooden body with vinyl wrapping. Right. And uh, it was not pretty, to say the least. <laughs> so uh, John had actually talked to me about it because we're both car guys and I do car stuff with him. And... Uh, I wanted the challenge, so I handmade a car body from scratch, and uh, it's going off to paint today. That's amazing. Yeah, yep, and uh, it's an obsession of mine. It has been since I was about the same age I learned how to run a forge. Right. <laughs> so, unfortunately for me, I need a bigger shop. <laughs> it's a pretty big shop. I know you people can't see it, but I'll try it's and take a picture. 24 by 48. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's not big enough. Not big enough. No. Never big enough. Well, I have a friend with a shop that has five bay doors and it's double deep. Yes. He has three tractor trailer trailers full of stuff too outside the shop because you can't even move in his shop. <laughs> so I don't feel uh, as bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He kept it to a minimum. Well, he's restraining himself yeah <laughs> so yeah the car stuff revolves and happens and of course you've seen me tootle around in my old one yes. and uh i have three others that i'm looking at doing that i have in various states so yeah, yeah it's just fun it's fun it's fun yeah and i mean though it's it's incredible that you've built that body it's uh like I say, I'll take a photo. My of it biggest before it goes. cold metal shaping challenge ever to shape it all cold. None of it's hot forms. So, yeah, it was just. So how is that? Uh, like, well, metal moves so much easier when it's hot. Yeah. Right. 
So learning how to work sheet metal cold, there's certain tools and, and certain why? techniques. Why? Why did you do it cold? Because heat warps. Okay. So with sheet metal, you don't want to warp it, and you don't want it to tin can, you know, the clink clink. Mm -hmm. So heat will do that. So right. You stay so right away from so it. So you use the, the forge for thicker. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. Oh, interesting. It's a, it's a very invasive way of moving stuff, right? That right. heat will cause a lot of expansion and contraction. Yeah. And uh, so when you're working anything thicker, sure, it works great. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is a totally different mindset, so. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine so. Yeah, it's been a, well. And I, is that your first major cold that's my project? first body I've manufactured. Mm. I've restored cars before mm. and I've built cars before. My Model A was built from pieces. I mm. started with just a bare frame. Wow. You know, but this is a, a body that I started with. I made it. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, so. That's yeah. Cool. It's fun. It's fun. It's pleasing. Yeah. The finished product will be nice to see when it's in paint because it's amazing that three mil layer of paint what it does so right yeah is there anywhere that you post this stuff is there anywhere no. online no no darn <laughs> no i just stick it out in the yard right you yeah know? And, and it's nice to see the yard is pretty nicely full right now yeah yeah well yeah. and that's um right now you see the bull rushes the bull rushes are back okay we talk might to as well about talk the about bull the bull rushes. rushes so my wife said could you make one of these i did and she was all giddy, so I made three. Because you can't make two, you can't make four. It's either three, five, seven, you know. Why? It's a rule she made for me. Okay. I have no idea. All right. Yeah, even numbers apparently don't work. All right. Okay, so somebody saw them, so I made some. And then it was decided, we should try a craft sale. Well, how many of these do you think we should make? Well, let's make 50. I'm like, geez, honey, that's a lot of hammering. That's a lot of hammering. I made 50. Two and a half hours, all 50 were gone. <laughs> this isn't good. So we did another craft sale, and I made 150. The second day by lunch, they were all gone. Right. I'm like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. So the number got to 642 bull rushes about three years ago. Jeez, and I wheat. said, I've had enough of bull rushes. I'm done. I'm done. Don't make me do it anymore. <laughs> I'm just a man. No more. So Ben decided he wanted to make money. And I'm like, well, son, we have to figure out something, but we could bring back the bull rush. As much as, I, much as I'm leery of it. So we actually, it can I, be I made your a, job. Well, I made a tool. What I did was I made a forming tool because the worst part of the bull rush is the rounded end of the steel tubing. Yeah. Because I'm actually rolling that in nice and neatly. So I actually made a tool that forms that end. That tool allowed a process of me holding the steel tubing and rotating it and Ben wailing on the tool with a sledgehammer. So he didn't have to have the precision of basically. To make one, I was doing about 30 hammer blows to do one end. So that's a lot of hammer mm -hmm. blows. I'm not young anymore. <laughs> so with the sledgehammer, he's down to about 12 blows. Excellent. And it that's forms them nicely. 
and he doesn't have to have the precision. Right. We're doing it together, yeah. so now we can make them, and it's like, okay, this isn't so bad. This is doable now. So we're going to do 50 or 100 for this show he's doing, but we also have some for out front to sell on the curbside, as it were. So the bull rushes are back, and I've had people call me, hey, are you making bull rushes? And I'm like, I'm not even answering this person. I don't want to make them. <laughs> so I'm not tallying the total. We were at 642, so we'll see uh, where it ends by the end of summer. We'll keep tallying. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. They are very pretty. They work out really well. And and I've seen other people make them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the only guy making them. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think I've got them down to a science now. <laughs> That's good. Two-person job, though. That's that's. Well, it's even better because he could do all the hammering. He's fifteen. Right. Give her, buddy. Yeah. Give her. Go. You go. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do the refined hammering. He's like, Dad, I can't do that one. You're gonna have to do that one. It's like, yeah, no problem. This is only a two-pound hammer. I'm great with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's good teamwork. Then you. Uh... It is, and he's learning a lot about the fact of solving problems. Mm -hmm. You know mechanical problems physical 3d problems you know yeah. they don't teach that in school right. you know so and because we make stuff that's outside the box i want them thinking outside the box too yeah. you know so it's, it's all kind of handy that way excellent so yeah i'm pretty happy with that yeah so that's the story of the bull rushes is that they just never are gonna go away i think <laughs> that's great well and now it's his father and son Team. Yeah, and he, he can take a, the torch on them and then start making them on his own at some point yes. in time. Yes. Yep. Because he bends the leaves differently. I go to stop him and I'm like, no, wait a minute. He could shape the leaves how right. he sees fit. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't go that way. But it's like, you're going to stop. I'm yeah. going to stand back. Okay, hammer away, son. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's funny. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, sometimes, I well, I have that problem too. Just step back and let him do his own thing. Yeah, let it fly. Yeah. yeah. And it's... Especially like even in your medium, you know, the material cost really isn't the big deal here. No. It's the labor. Yeah. It's what happens to make it happen. So if he screws up a piece of steel, it's like, yeah, that might be the ear for a you know a wiener dog or something right. later on. Put it in the pile. Yeah. Or maybe half of it's going to be something for something. So just throw it in the pile. Yeah. We'll start again. Okay. So, yeah, I've always wanted to have the time and the luxury of being able to teach it, but it's just never seemed to formulate time-wise and everything else. It takes a fair amount of organization and time commitment to do. Mm -hmm. um, it would be neat to do it because the, the look on people's face, the first time they swat a red-hot piece of steel and it squishes under a hammer, they all look at you the same way. Yeah. It's, like, it's a neat thing to see them because they're like, wow, that just moved like you wouldn't believe. It's like, yeah, it's like plaster scene if it's hot enough. Yeah. So it's really a neat medium to work with. Yeah. Um, I took my boys up to um, Stefan Doors. Yep. Uh, he had a like a homeschooling day yep. at his shop. And uh, the older one, not so much. But the younger one, man, he just, he could have been pounding all day. Yep. It yep. was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And... I've met Stefan a couple times. He's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. And he's a traditional German blacksmith, right? Mm -hmm. They just work a certain way, and they, they you can tell their stuff a mile away. Yeah. It's high quality. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's high quality, but it's not my thing. R yeah, yeah. Not different, even close. Different. Yeah. yeah. We did actually, the last time they had the craft sale in um, 
Confederation Park there. Uh, Art Fest? Fanfare was the old one. Fanfare. Yeah. Okay, I did Fanfare's last show. Right. And Durst was there too. Right. And then there was a couple other guys that do metal stuff, and I'll use my quotation fingers because the one guy actually had stuff I know came from a Jap or a Chinese supply house where he just unwrapped it and stuck it oh. on the wall, and it's Cringe. like, oh man, this is a handmade show. Yeah. Yeah. So, needless to say, Durst's work was amazing and, you know, just unbelievably hammered. And he came over and he looked and he says, you forge? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I do. He goes, well, you got some neat stuff. Totally different genre for him. Yeah. Totally different angle, yeah. you know. And the guy who does my sandblasting and painting does his too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we're always bringing in our stuff and they're like always looking Completely at the difference. Different. Yeah. Absolute difference. Yeah. yeah. You know, Durst had a, uh, a C-channel, a, a when you look at the end of a piece of steel that's C-shape, mm -hmm. it was about 12 foot tall and it was painted in multicolors and had kinks and bends and, and had been torqued and twisted and everything else. And he had that in there and I brought in a satellite dish made into a turtle. <laughs> you know, so it, it's like the total opposites of the spectrum, both handmade, right? both made from something already manufactured, but totally different. Right. It's neat to meet people like him because he just has a different look at it and uh, yeah it, it's neat yeah and yeah. you can appreciate what he does and he appreciates what I do so yeah. yeah it's nice so how long have you been doing this the art say yeah the art I would say the arts really taken off in the last 10 years it's definitely moved towards more of a sculptural thing yeah and that's I guess my defining part is the sculptural idea right. instead of the utilitarian right yeah yeah that's so. uh, that's what feeds the soul. Yeah, it really does. And okay, so you had a. I saw, and we're not looking at the front yard right now, but you have a bunch of bulrushes, and you have some flowers. Flowers, Ben's Ben's idea, and Ben and I worked out uh, logistics of trying to combine uh, aluminum with uh, steel stuff, and we've come up with some trilliums. So they're a mixture of uh, polished aluminum sheet and uh, just mild steel. So they're neat to play off the colors without using paint or chemicals and just stick them in the yard and forget about them. Nice. Look at them when you, when you desire and don't have to take care of them. And there's uh, other flowers coming. We've got some other flowers cut and ready to assemble. So we, and they're actually technically difficult enough that I actually have to have him help me with the extra set of hands to put the things together because they're trying to hold things down and weld things and not weld certain things. And right. So yeah, we've so been. These, so you've got new pieces that are like just different, just yeah. and uh, they're Paul basically and ben. Ben's, basically Ben's idea, my technical understanding, and then his extra set of hands, and voila. Nice. So I have him using tin snips a lot, and he's he's complaining about that because he wants to use my electric cutting shear mm -hmm. to cut all the metal, and I'm like, no, no, you got to learn how to use tin snips first. So. Yeah, he's laboring the old-fashioned way. Right, right. Yeah, he keeps looking at the electric stuff going, well, what can I use that? <laughs> but, but, but. You'll never learn if you don't use these. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've got that and just all sorts of fun new things. So, yeah. I'm a, it's like a, a new breath in it, having the influence of his ideas of, well, Dad, can we make this? And it's like, yeah, you know what, son? Let's just give it a whirl. Yeah. And, and we'll discuss well, what do you think we should use? How do you think it should look? You know, what 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 components do you think we should use? You know, where are we going to get that from? So, yeah. 
and he, he's learning how to solder, which he never done before. So putting some copper stuff together with solder and learning that there's a chemical to turn the solder copper color so that you don't have an ugly silver finish on top of your copper and right. things like that. So had to source that out from a stained glass supply place. So he understands that, you know, there's there's other art skills and there's other places that there's materials and things you need right. to be able to do what from you're other doing. You mediums. Because I'm not afraid to work with glass, leather, plastic, wood, whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever is going to get me where I'm after, so... Right. Yeah, yeah. And, okay, so are there any, um, I'd love to hear about people's tools. What are, what are the tools that you can't live without? Oh. So many. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could say I couldn't live without an anvil, but if I don't have a hammer, it's not much help either. Yeah. But uh, certainly the most indispensable tool is my welder. Okay. Without a doubt, the yeah. welder is the most indispensable tool. You know, it gives you that freedom of being able to join things and connect things in a way you need to. It also allows you to create forms that you would have a real hard time doing uh, just with a forge and a hammer. You can actually shortcut it with the welder okay. and you can get a start on a shape and get it going that way and finish it off with the forge and a hammer. Yeah, I'd say my welder is my most indispensable tool. It's funny because I never call myself a welder. I'm a blacksmith. A welder is just one of my tools. It's a process for me. Where people are professional welders, yes. and they weld better than me and have certificates and everything else crazy like that. But at the end of the day... It's just one of the things you One do. of my tools, yeah. yep. I, I had a wee kid ask me once, because you know how kids like the extremes of everything? Yeah. What's the oldest tool you have? Okay. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I said, it would be my anvil. He goes, how old is it? <laughs> I said it was made in 1823 in Sheffield, England. It's actually Sheffield Tools. I said I lucked out on it. It was in someone's basement. Their That's grandfather owned it. So I had to carry it up. A from set the basement? Rickety old wooden stairs. And how heavy was it? It's 185 pounds. Oh my goodness. And I was 280 pounds at the <laughs> time. So I'm doing the math going, this is a really rickety old set of stairs, and if they give out, I'm going to have this thing in my lap. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But we made it. We made it. But it is my oldest tool by far. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I asked you what was the most challenging part of your work. What's the best? What's the best part the of your work? The favorite part is, is when someone sees something I've made and just loves it. Cannot live without it. And I'm not talking about the monetary aspect of selling something, but the fact that they're fascinated by it. Yeah. You know? Or that they they just you know they're taken by it, right? And they just can't believe whatever. And that, that for me is a rush to be able to take concept and have it into a physical thing that people are that drawn to. When I took art in school, we were taught if you elicit a response, positive or negative, mm -hmm. then you've done your job. You know, if they hate it, that's just as good as them loving it. You know, you yeah. need a response people look at it and feel neutral about it then you're kind of not hitting the mark right so that's that's yeah that's the best part of it yeah yeah without a doubt i love it yeah i'm the same it when, keeps you, going. when you see someone coming like when you're at an art show and someone comes to your booth and, and then they're a zeroing big in smile, yeah they're like, zeroing in whatever yeah. yeah they barely want to yeah. talk to you because yeah. they want to look at it and check it out yeah 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 without yeah. a doubt totally i agree and that keeps you going Sales is part of it. You have to understand that you are still selling yourself. You're selling what you're making. But you're, you're selling sell your story too, right? You're, oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. People are people are at the handmade yep. shows because they want they a story. Want. They want their little yeah. tangible thing. Yeah. Uh, I used to laugh because I mean I'd have a lady go, "You make this stuff," and I'd show her my hands. Oh my goodness, you definitely make this stuff. <laughs> and that was back when I was making a lot of stuff. My hands were rough, really rough. Right. <laughs> and she's like, "Yes, you do." Definitely. <laughs> I'm like, "Yep, yep." Yeah. I really am enjoying the fact of just making stuff and making what you want to make. Yeah. And <laughs> what Ben wants to make. What Ben wants to make, what my wife likes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> she doesn't push me, but yeah. I love it when she posts, hey, Paul, can you make this? And some well, nine times out of ten, it's just like, you know, the idea occurs to her, oh, you could take that and make your own. Well, yeah, because at the end of the day, there isn't one artist right now in this time and era that are coming up with anything absolutely 100% original. We're all reworking right. ideas and concepts and shapes and things that yeah. have all been done before. You know, I'm sorry, but it's just, that's life. Yeah. You're arrogant to think that you've come up with the only no, yeah. no. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so she's always trying to rattle my uh, creative cage, as it were. You know, what about this? Now I'm bidding on an online auction, and I've had this uh, crazy thing in the back of my head about water feature stuff. Mm -hmm. Because while well, she has a water feature fountain there, you can't see it with the long grass, but if you go around, yeah. it's three uh, square pieces of tubing. Yep. Two of them hold torches, and the middle one actually has a water uh, line in it. And it's actually got a, a little well below it and a, and a pond pump. So it runs water down the face of the one tubing, and then the other two are lit up with uh, gel torches. Oh, cool. Um, okay, so tell us about this. We'll try and get this one on before your show in Picton, where is it? It's at the um, it's at the fairgrounds. Okay. Where the arena is. And what's the show called? It's called the Spring Blossom Craft Sale. On April twenty eighth. Yes. Okay. All right. And if people want to see your work in person, drive by. <laughs> drive drive by. by. Do a drive by. Paul's uh, right across from the museum on Amherst Island. So. Yep. And whatever's out front is for sale. Nice. And if uh, you don't see it. Then I don't have it. <laughs> okay, Paul, thanks for your time and you the tour. Welcome. You that are was welcome. awesome. And what a beautiful day to be doing absolutely. an interview. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. Thank you, and uh, I look forward to seeing everything else that's coming out yep. as you get ready There's for this There's going to be fresh show. stuff coming out over the next few weeks. It'll just be starting to fill that front yard. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, listeners. This has been Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio, and we've been talking to Islander, blacksmith, and metal sculptor Paul Kyler. Check out some of Paul's pieces and get information on Paul's spring shows at cjai.ca slash studio stories. Join us next time when we head into downtown Kingston to speak with painter, author, and art educator Rainy Taukid.